The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your servant, who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here immediately and take your place at table? Would he not rather say to him, Prepare something for me to eat. Put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink. You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he grateful to that servant because he did what was commanded? So should it be with you. When you have done all you have been commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were obliged to do. The Gospel of the Lord. So my dear friends, good morning to you. I hope you are all well. So, we began by saying that today is um, the first Sunday of the month of October, which means that we've entered into the month of the Holy Rosary. Uh, for those of us who are seminarians, we have the uh, good fortune of being here in the seminary so that every day um, the Rosary will be organized and we shall be obliged to attend. But for those of you our parishioners who are here, you have to make the extra effort to find the time within your busy schedule to pray the rosary throughout this month. I remember sometime last year I was having a conversation, preaching a homily, and I was saying that one of the things that we need to do is to adapt a maximalist approach to the praying of the rosary rather than a minimalist approach. You see, the problem is that if you say, oh, I will pray one decade of the rosary a day before you realize you've forgotten. But if you set out at the beginning of the day by saying, I will pray all the four mysteries, even if you fall short, you might have prayed two. And so by the end of the rosary month, most probably you realize that there was not a single day on which you didn't pray the rosary. For that reason, I want to suggest to you, let's use again the maximalist approach during this month. Say to yourself, this month, I'm not going to pray even just the five decades. I'm going to do all 20. And you realize that by finding time to fit in all 20, or at least 10, at least you make sure that you pray at least five decades every day. So let's try it and see how it works. Beloved, in the life of every Christian, there is a point at which you are asking God to increase your faith. 
because there must be one challenge or one difficulty that is assailing you. And today, whether we're reading from the first reading from the book of Habakkuk, in which the prophet himself is under strain and stress, and he's asking the Lord to intervene because of the injustice that surrounds him, or whether we want to go into the second reading from Second Timothy chapter 1, reading from verses well, 6 and 7, where Paul is encouraging Timothy to fan into flame the gifts that he received when hands were laid on him, and he says to him that what was given to you was power and love and self-control. A young bishop, Timothy, needs faith to go through the challenges that uh, apparently he has to be faced with in Ephesus. Or whether it's in the gospel reading where uh, the disciples themselves go to Jesus and say, Ah, Master, as for this one, what we are going through, do what? Increase our faith. I'm sure... The seminarians are saying to us, increase our faith so that we can go through these years of formation. Because it's not easy. The philosophy and the Greek alone will make you realize you need faith. I want to suggest to you that um, what Jesus says, or better still, uh, what St. Luke is telling us in the gospel reading today are the strategies for growing one's faith. What did I say he's telling us? The strategies for growing one's faith. Now, when the apostles, according to Luke, come to Jesus and say, increase our faith, what we're hearing in the reading, we're actually reading from Luke chapter 17, reading from 5 and following, 5 through 9 thereabouts, that Jesus will tell them two, let's say, parables, call them parables. So first and foremost, he tells them about, you know, faith which is like a seed, you know, but becomes like a mulberry tree. And, and if somebody has faith, he can say to the mulberry tree, look, be uprooted and planted into the sea, and, and it will happen. Then after that, Jesus goes on to tell them another parable about a master who has a servant. He comes back from the field. And he says to the servant, servant, you know, prepare this and that for me. Wait on me while I eat, so on and so forth. So the response to the question seems to be coming in these two um, sayings or parables. First and foremost, the issue about the mulberry tree, and second, about the servant. And I want you to notice that the red thread, as the Germans say, the road faden, that is linking these seems to be the agricultural imagery. So Jesus begins by talking about the seed. Faith is like just a little seed. You know. Then he goes on to talk about the mulberry tree, which is you know, out of faith, is maybe planted, or if you like, transplanted. So that's agricultural imagery. How many of you have been to farm before? This is, you don't go to farm. We, those of us who are from the village and go to farm, we know about planting, transplanting. Then in the other parable, Jesus talks about a servant. But listen carefully to the servant that he's talking about. He said, this servant is the one who came back from the field after plowing. After doing what? Plowing. That too is agricultural imagery. When you go to farm, you plow. 
plow till the ground turn it up he says or the servant who comes back from the field after pasturing or shepherding the sheep look at it planting seed mulberry tree plowing shepherding all agricultural imagery jesus is going to use this to teach about the strategies of growing our faith strategies now i want to suggest to you that there are three main strategies when it comes to growing your faith we shall learn this from what luke is teaching us in the reading the first one is plowing plowing if you if you have a seed and you are planting that seed the first thing you need to do is to do what to plow the ground those of us who are from farming communities you know you have to get a tractor or those days we used to use a hoe to turn the soil to prepare it so before faith can grow there are things that you must do before this is the preparation the first thing plowing means preparing preparing before faith will grow there must be a period of preparing the ground breaking the ground you remember the parable of the sower isn't it In mark's gospel chapter four the sower went out to sow he scattered the seed some of the seed fell by the path the birds came and picked it up some fell among you know on rocky soil you know but they couldn't grow why because of the rocks because for whatever reason that part of the land had not been plowed and some fell among weeds when you are plowing you also remove the weeds you uproot the things that would be harmful that could damage the seed you remove them because that was not done we are told that that seed didn't bear fruit so preparation or plowing is the number one thing now all of you here you're going through a period of preparation you seminarians nine years i'm sure when you asked how many years the same they said now you say Eish. or your family members say hey, how, why so long but it is because the soil must be prepared the other day just about a week ago i was preaching at a wedding and i was telling the bride and the groom in fact it is very common when people are getting married they call father father i want to get married so oh, when do you want to get married oh next month say no 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 uh, that die the archdiocese of Accra requires that you go through marriage counseling for a minimum of six months and they say father it's too long then i say ah but marriage and priesthood are both sacraments of vocation if those who are going to be priests train for nine years and i ask you to train for six months have i been unjust to you everything that you need to do you need what preparation you need to prepare the ground for it right. ask the footballers ask the boxers the other day there was one of our boxers who went to box and they beat him when they asked him, he said oh, the training didn't go well but you know you are going to box so preparation is fundamental now you see we have to we have to remember that anything that requires height or that anything that is destined for heights needs depths anything that is going to go up must first go down we have 
trees on this compound. Lots of trees. Remember years ago, about three, four years ago, there was a huge storm one afternoon out of nowhere. I'm sure some of you remember. Out of nowhere. I think there were more than 30 to 50 trees on this compound that went down within 30 minutes. Why? Because this place is very rocky. The roots of the trees, because of the rocks, could not go very deep. And therefore, you know, they are growing high, but the roots are not deep. So the wind comes and they are down. And that is what happens if you don't prepare. If you don't go deep and you try to go up. When you come crashing down, it will be a big fall. The first thing is about preparing. And for you, my friends, seminarians, that's why you are here. You are in the face of preparation. The problem with preparing is that it's the most uninteresting part of the journey of faith. Because you're going through preparation, you're learning Greek, you're learning Hebrew, you're learning philosophy. So what, what at all is this for? It doesn't seem to be interesting. It's not immediately rewarding. And for that reason, there are many people who will try to shortcut the process of preparation. It's dangerous. Take your time. Anything that will bear fruit, anything, any seed that will bear fruit must first have the soil. In my life as a priest, I've noticed again and again there were experiences that I went through that I thought were peripheral. Oh, they're just learning some something. Later on, you notice how critical that knowledge was. So number one, plowing means preparing. Number two. Now the second agricultural image which Luke tells us in the reading is planting. Planting. What does he say? Says, Jesus says, if you have faith, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted from here and beware. Planted where? In the sea. In the where? Who plants a tree in the sea? Unless you want to kill it. Planting means positioning. Planting. It means what? Positioning. For that seed to bear fruit, you must position it in the right place. Place it in the right context then it will bear fruit. You see, positioning is, is the work of discerning what is the best place to plant my crop. And let me begin with, with you parents. You know, sometimes parents, you have a child. Because you are a doctor, you have positioned your child in the consulting room. Whether he likes it or not, he has to be a doctor. But you see, even though the child is intelligent, every child is different. Just as every plant is different. Where you plant a coconut tree, if you go and put a mango tree over there, it may not do so well. The greatest example is the vine. You go and bring a vine and plant it in Ghana. With all this rain that is raining, you'll be very sorry. It will blossom, beautiful leaves, green leaves, thick foliage, it will never bear fruit. Why? Because the vine needs to be planted in the desert where it has just a little water, enough and sufficient dry season. Then it will fruit. You know that even when you have a piece of land, 
sometimes you don't exactly plant the cocoa where you plant tomatoes you don't plant onions where you plant something else you have to know what plant you're dealing with and where to place it now you see unfortunately in this day and age especially for we young people as long as we see on social media somebody is doing something and seems to be prospering everybody is towing the line like a bee and people are not taking their time to discern where I must be located my position because my position is different from my brother's position where I will thrive is different from where my sister will thrive I remember the time when uh, there was something I think they call it space to space remember space to space Hey. <laughs> immediately one person puts his space to space table here and starts making money everybody wants to bring their space to space table but what works for your brother might not be what works for you and you see sometimes because of that there is unnecessary competition among us instead of sitting down to discern discern what God is calling you to we are all following the crowd and that is why for you, my friends, you are here to discern what will your position be? Where does God want you to be? Where? Is it here? Is it there? Discern. Because there is a plant that if we transplant it and put it in the sea, it will grow. There's another one. If we transplant it and put it in the sea, what will happen? It will die. Number one, we need to plow. And plowing is preparing. Number two, we need to plant. And planting is positionality. It is discerning the position of the plant. And some who are in the seminary, and because their friend is in law school, in the university, they are beginning to think that that is where they will, they will flourish. I'm laughing. Discern where God wants you to be. Number three. Now, the third thing that Luke tells us about is the servant. Same servant. says, the servant is either coming from plowing the field or he's coming from pastoring the sheep. Pastoring the sheep. Or if you like, shepherding the sheep. Same thing. Pastoring the sheep. And you see, what is the work of a pastor? What is the work of a shepherd? A shepherd, the person who shepherds sheep. The work of the shepherd is to watch the sheep. Fortunately, sheep are not the kind of animals that you necessarily have to go and bring the food for them to eat. No, you only need to take them out, sit down quietly, and watch them. And what are you doing? You're watching. So you're watching, you know, so that they eat what is right. Watching that they drink water. Watching that no animal comes to, no wolf, no bear, no lion comes to attack them. That's your duty. Duty of the shepherd is to watch. The pastor pastores, the Latin word for shepherd, is to watch the sheep. I see the third point in how to grow, how to grow in faith, how to grow in spiritual life, is to watch like a pastor. Pay attention. Watch. Now, in actual fact, in our second reading from um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, um, Paul is talking to somebody who is a pastor or a shepherd, Timothy. And he gives him three things that he must do. He says that, you know, fan into flame the gifts that were given to you when hands were laid on you. First Timothy chapter, 
2 Timothy chapter 1, 6 and 7. It says, For you were not given a spirit of timidity, Delia, but a spirit of power, dynamis, of love, agape, and of self-control, sophronia. Three things. A spirit of power and of love and of self-control. Now you see, listen carefully to what Paul is saying to Timothy. By the way, Timothy is somebody who pastors, somebody who watches. Pastors, watches. And he says, you have been given, Timothy, listen, Timothy, you have been given power. And the word for power is dynamis. Immediately you hear the word dynamis, you can hear the word dynamite. Last week, I went with Father Aka to Apiate, where the truck that was transporting dynamite just at the roadside of the town of Apiate apparently was crossed by a motorcycle or something and we know what happened there was that explosion I went and saw it myself it's incredible went and spoke with some of the survivors of the Apiate disaster spoke with them and what they, what they said what a couple of them said they said when the blast occurred it seemed like it was judgment day that's the power of a dynamite and Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, you have been given dynamis, power. The other thing he says to Timothy, Timothy, listen, you have been given agape, love. Then he says, Timothy, after the power and the love that you've been given, you need one more thing, self-control, self-control. And what is power without self-control? It will destroy you. What is love without self-control? you'll be in trouble. See, to grow in faith, you have, you have already plowed. You have already planted. The thing has taken root. It's now becoming a big tree. You need to watch. Be careful. Be awake. Otherwise, the beautiful thing that you have planted, that tree that has grown, before you realize, it will be destroyed. And that's what Paul advises the young man, Timothy. I've seen many people say, oh, this man is doing so well. Oh, he, you know, everybody's praising him. Before you realize, the man is on the ground. Watch. Take care of yourself. And that is the only way that your faith will survive, will stand the test of time. Well, three strategies, three, for growing your faith. Number one, plow, prepare the ground. Number two, plant, discern where you're supposed to be. That is where you will thrive. Number three, pastor, watch. But not watch other people. Watch whom? Yourself. That is how you will grow in faith. And you will become those ministers that Paul desires that you become. You will become those great Christian, lay faithful, married people that God wants you to be. That is how you will prosper in everything that you do. And may God bless you. Amen.